47 podcast. Today, I am going to interview my mother for a short episode to celebrate this podcast's fourth year anniversary. Wow, four years. I know. It's, it's a long a, time. It's been a long time. <laughs> I literally started this podcast before the pandemic started. Before the pandemic. Significantly yeah. before the pandemic. Yeah, almost a year before the pandemic. Almost a whole year before the pandemic. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Time flies. <laughs> to those of you who are listening since the beginning. Thank you. Thank you for and your support. Definitely. And, and for those of you who have just joined and are catching up, welcome. Yes. Hello. Um, we hope you enjoy. In many ways, my daughter has sort of grown up. Indeed I have. You were 17. I was 17. I was a junior in high school. Now I'm a junior in college. Whoa. Four years. Four years, Crazy baby. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. And those are, some pretty, those are some pretty significant years. We lived through a pandemic. There's a war going on. It's crazy. Yeah, very crazy. All right. Um, I do have some questions for you. I hope so. Um, Otherwise, we're just going to sit here and stare at each other, and our listeners would get really bored. Uh, indeed, they would. <laughs> yes. So hopefully, you will not be bored by these questions. So, Mama. Yes. You've been doing this podcast, as we said, for four years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is now more interest in Alexander Kollontai than there was when you started the podcast, sort of globally speaking? Well, it's always hard to tell because, you know, obviously Kollontai kind of had a, has had moments, right? right? She was resurrected in the 70s around the time of the second wave women's movement in the United States and a lot of socialist feminists were rereading her work and there were some really good biographies that were published and some of her Russian writings were translated. So, mm -hmm. and then she sort of fell back into obscurity. Right. And I know that in the Soviet Union, um, I recently collaborated with a Russian historian named Natalia Novikova. Mm. And she worked with Kalantai's archives, um, mm. several of Kalantai's archives in Moscow. And one of the things that she told me is that Kalantai, as she's remembered in Russia as part of the Soviet establishment, right. she's remembered primarily as a diplomat mm -hmm. and not as a women's activist mm -hmm. and not as sort of a, a sexually emancipated communist woman, right? right? She's still very much thought of as like this elder stateswoman who was twice nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize or whatever. So her, her reputation is very different in Russia than I think it is outside right. of Russia. So I think, but there are a few things that are really hopeful, especially since I started this podcast in 2019, there have been a few things that I think are really noteworthy. Mm -hmm. So the first is there's this great socialist feminist, feminist magazine, Lux, Mm, right. right? Yes. You have the tote have bag. The tote bag. <laughs> you have the tote bag. Very cute tote bag. Very cute tote bag. Uh, I recommend. Very recommended, yes. And it's a great magazine. Uh, and it's focused on socialist feminism. And its inaugural issue, I believe, which was last year or the year before, I can't remember, it featured an article on, on Colin Tai mm. by a woman uh, who's a Jacobin staff journalist, I believe, Liza Featherstone. Mm. And Liza also has, I think, an edited collection of Kalantai's writings coming out later this year, maybe in April, hmm. which is with an introduction by Liza and some new reflections on hmm. Kalantai's writings and, and why they're relevant That's today. Exciting. Yeah, that is really exciting. Big plug for Liza's yeah. book if you're interested in reading Kalantai's work in English in an edited volume. There was also a new biography uh, published in French uh, about Kalantai, oh. uh, published by Fayard, which is 
which is pretty cool. And the French-Canadian feminist, a woman named Rebecca Amsalem, did a great six-part podcast in both French and English. It's called The Method, and it takes actually a lot of inspiration, I think, from Kalantai and her work. Rebecca was actually on this podcast when I was in Paris in the fall of 21, I think. Um, Yeah, call back. So, hey, shout out to The Method. If any of you are interested in listening to another podcast, I highly recommend it. You're a podcast fiend. Right. And you're looking for new content. It's a six-part series on, like, how we can create a feminist utopia, which is which is pretty cool. I also, I was invited to give a lecture in Frankfurt, specifically on Kollontai, just this summer. And I just got another invitation, oddly, from some journalists and leftists in Sri Lanka to do specifically about about Kollontai. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, so there's like international interest and I'm not sure how they found me, if it's because of the podcast or if it's just because you Google Kalantai and somehow my name comes up. I'm not really sure why that is. There's a new book out by Sophie Lewis, which I haven't read yet, but I know that I think there's some material in there about Kalantai that just came out, I think in the fall. And of course, my book, Red Valkyries, came out in the summer. Self-plug. Self-plug. <laughs> but it also came out in Italian at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come out in Turkish and French later mm. this year. Very cool. So there's like something in the water. Right. Something in Kalantai the air. Kalantai is in for 2023. Yeah. If, if I were going to make in and out lists, I would definitely say in Yeah. for Kalantai. Kalantai is in. Yeah. Yeah. There's enough there's enough about her out there in the water that I think she's sort of having a bit yeah. of a, a cultural resurrection, a bit of a moment. And yeah. I I hope that people, you know, are finding these mm-hmm. readings that I've been doing mm-hmm. and commentary that I've been doing interesting and that it's contributing to this sort of broader renaissance and interest in Kalantai, yeah. her life and her work. Kalantai is like sort of the new Negroni. <laughs> Spagliato with Prosecco, you know. Is it or or is it the Curial this year? Isn't well, the Curial, yeah, but the, we're ahead of the wave on the Curials. You know, like it's about to it's about to boom. Uh, yeah. If you don't know what a Curial is, you probably will soon. But let let us tell you. You heard it here first. Curial <laughs> yeah. is made with champagne or Prosecco and creme de cassis. Uh, like black currant syrup liqueur liqueur yeah. yes yeah very good delicious. We yes. were, yeah we were drinking them for new year's, new year's eve and yeah. christmas and christmas yeah. yeah and they're very purple they are very purple they're beautiful drinks yeah i think kalantai would have approved i i agree i think she very much would have all right so uh moving on to my next question for you okay so recently the last week of december in fact um was the centenary of the official founding of the Soviet Union. Um, and there was a lot of buzz about that in the mainstream, you know, media. Yeah. The lamestream. The lame, you know, yeah. as they say. Right, the bourgeois. As the kids say. The bourgeois media. The yeah. bourgeois, yes. <laughs> uh, the the media. corporate media. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How, did you, how, did you, how did you feel about the way that it was covered? Um, did you think that there were things that were lacking about it or things that were appreciative of, about it? Um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting, you know, because it was sort of a moment to sort of reflect on the Soviet experiment, right? So there was the October Revolution in 2017 right. was the 100th centenary of the 2000, right. sorry, the 1917 revolution was in 2017, right? And so now there was like a few years after the Civil War was won before they officially declared the founding of the USSR, the Soviet Union. And so I think that 
there was a lot of sort of reflection about, okay, well, what did the Soviet Union mean for the long 20th century? What did it mean for other countries in the world? And, you know, I was asked to participate in a kind of pen round robin where a whole bunch of professors sort of wrote in short reflections on the centenary. And there were pieces that appeared in like the Times and the Guardian and, you know, a few places. And almost nobody talked about women's rights. Nobody talked about the gender part. Yeah. And so that was where I really, you know, that was my contribution. I was the only woman. I think there were like seven professors. I was the only, you know, person who was talking about like the impact that the Soviet Union had on kind of the global women's movement in the Mm -hmm. 20th century. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Which was significant. Which was very significant. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like there was an opportunity that was missed and maybe I should have been a little bit more proactive and but I was just it was the end of the semester and my brain was not working yeah. anymore and I just wanted to drink some curials and chill yeah, out because yeah. it was a rough You know what they year. say, Colentai and curials. <laughs> That's right. Colentai and curials. There you go. So much better. So if you're listening to this podcast and you happen to have a sparkling beverage and some creme de cassis, then you can pause the podcast right now, make yourself a curial, and continue yeah. listening to the rest of this interview. For the rest of this podcast, I'm sorry, if you're not drinking a curial, then like I don't know if you'll be able to understand what we're saying. It'll be it'll be a little bit, you know, too yeah. complex. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. It just might be more festive. Moving on to my next question, I have noticed as an avid listener that your podcast has gotten a little bit more sporadic this that last year. 2022, it really seems like AK-47 was out. Is it going to come back in? What have you been up to? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is because I... The, the invasion, mm-hmm. right? I think in February, that sort of threw me for a bit of a loop mm-hmm. as it did many people in my field. And it was sort of hard for a while for me to concentrate on things because I was pretty glued, you know, to the, mm-hmm. to the news and, and trying to figure out what was going to happen. And it was pretty scary. I was also in Bulgaria for a long period of time. And then I was t- two months in Germany and I got COVID and then it lingered for a while. Mm-hmm. So it, from the perspective of just lots of things, I right. was kind of distracted. I also became chair of my department, mm. which suddenly R. hit R. me. P. Yeah, exactly. Chair. <laughs> I got hit like a, like a, like a, with a big Mack truck in the face with all sorts mm-hmm. of work. But the upside of all of this is I did two things that I'm really excited about. So the first is that, as I mentioned earlier, I collaborated with this Russian historian Mm -hmm. named Natalia Novikova, and we wrote a very long, very detailed chapter about Alexander Kolontai, and it's coming out in March Mm. um, in a in a book called The Palgrave Handbook of Communist Women Activists Around the World. Mm. So it's a, an attempt by a bunch of different authors to kind of highlight how many women were involved historically, mm. and particularly women in the global south, to sort of fight against the stereotype that the communist movement was a masculine movement, right? right? To actually show that there were a lot of women who were, who were involved very, very much from the ground and from, you know, from the bottom and from the beginning. 
Uh, but the second thing, and I'm really happy. To, what is it? Yeah, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm so excited tell about me, this. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell <laughs> me. So I've been working really hard on my new book. <gasps> What's it called? Uh, okay, so it's got like three titles now. Three? Yeah, actually three. So there's the American title, there's the British title, and there's, there's the German title. And Whoa. they're all different. Yeah. So, but the American title is Everyday Utopia, What 2,000 Years of Wild Experiments Can Teach Us About the Good Life. Okay. And that's coming out in May. That's with, the one that I know. That's the one you know. And that's the one that you've read. Uh-huh. Or most of it, right? You read, I read the whole thing. I read the whole thing. You read the whole thing. Cover to cover. Cover I mean, to cover. Actually, first page of the manuscript to the last page of the manuscript. <laughs> there right. are no covers yet. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I'm super, super, super excited about that That's book. the other title. Oh, so the British title is Everyday Utopia oh. in Praise of Radical Alternatives to the Traditional Family Home. Okay. And there was going to be a different like title. No, the subtitle is different. Okay. And the German title is going to be in German, but it's going to be Everyday Utopia, A Short History of Radical Alternatives to Patriarchy, which, I mean, all of these titles are a fairly good fairly description good. of the book, but, yeah. but uh, the Americans are definitely trying to sort of, because it's a bigger commercial press, they're trying to kind of downplay the radical... Part. Right. The rat like they don't want the word radical in the title. Whereas the Germans and the British wanted the word radical really front and center, which I think is just an interesting comment right. yeah. on the way that American state of affairs and American in, in, political in discourse. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So um so that took an awful lot of my time. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yes, yes, and <laughs> uh, and I'm super excited that it's also it's going to also come out in Dutch, and you know there's some whispers now uh, about a French and Ooh. possible Spanish translation as Whispers, well. The streets are saying the streets are saying yeah. So we'll see. So I'm really I'm like I'm really excited. The blurbs, the people who blurb the book are some of my they're loving it kind of intellectual heroes. So I feel. Really excited uh, for that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, between everything that was going on this year and really just writing mm. ferociously to meet the deadline to, to finish this book, I let the podcast kind of fall a little bit by the wayside. But I'm back. But we're back, baby. Yeah. And, and I just started the fifth season. I think it's the fifth season. And what I'm doing for this fifth season is I'm going to read... A bunch of newspaper clippings about Kolontai from Ooh. the years that were published contemporaneously with her life. Cool. So I've curated a collection of about 12 articles from like New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Very Times cool. of London. Very and cool. Yeah, yeah. So they're like basically most of them talking about what a crazy communist Valkyrie she is right. and all of her exploits and it's really fun. Yeah. yeah they're really fun. Awesome. So, yeah. So, I'm going to read Lots that. Lots to look forward to. Yeah. And then I'm also... I've got some really great pieces of hers that I'm going to read and comment on. But I wanted to put a little bit more effort into the historical background of some mm. of her writing by going into these newspaper archives and really mm. finding... Like, I, you know, spent quite a long time, like excavating all these articles Mm. for the chapter that I wrote in Red Valkyries, but then also for the chapter that I wrote with Natalia Novikova. Yeah. And so 
I had all this material and I wasn't able to use it all in the chapters. So I'm super excited to be able to use it for the podcast because it's really fun. It's kind of like exclusive extra material. Yeah. Deleted scenes. Sort of deleted scenes. (laughs) Yeah, sort of deleted scenes. But it's also, I think it gives a much better, sometimes I feel like we can read Alexander Kollontai a bit too anachronistically. Like we don't really understand the milieu in which she was writing or thinking or advocating for the kinds of things she was advocating. And unless you understand the kind of criticism, the trolls basically that she was facing in the media and how they went after her in different ways and the stereotypes Mm. about Russian women and the stereotypes about Bolsheviks, you don't really understand like what she was up against. Right. Right. Cause you know, she wasn't perfect. Obviously there were stupid things that she did and said, but at the same time, I think it's really interesting to realize that she was not only a product of her time, but she was very much in dialogue with people with who, her time, yeah. with her time and for people who didn't like her and didn't like what she stood for and really wanted to tear her right. down. Right. She had haters. So what do you think her most important message is going into 2023? What do you think Colin Ty can tell us now, specifically as we move into a new year and a lot of chaos? Yeah, you know, and I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I think the simple message that I take from Colin Tide that I'm holding on to for 2023 mm-hmm. and for the fourth year of this podcast mm-hmm. is that nurturing our relationships, being with our friends, spending quality time with our family and our colleagues and our comrades and our neighbors and community members, Mm. that is political work. Mm. That, you know, too often we're constantly trying to be productive Mm -hmm. or we worry about like wellness culture and self-care, you know, and we're not really, we're sort of tacking between extreme public engagement and then really private self-care. And there's this sort of intermediate ground of like hanging out on the couch with a friend and watching TV. Yeah. Like I just did. Like you just did. Yeah, self-care is out. Community care is in. Thank you. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think that's, we have to, connection is super important. You know, Robert Baldinger, who is a Zen priest, and he is the current director of the Harvard Study of Adult Development, which is this wonderful longitudinal study that has looked at, followed a bunch of you know, Americans, it started out with men, but then it looked at their children's and their wives, children and wives and things to, to, to figure out what makes people happy, what makes people live a, a happy life at the end of mm-hmm. their life. When they look back, what are the things that they value the most? Mm-hmm. And the thing that, that he finds, I think he's got a great book. I think his book is coming out called The, the Good Life, I believe is what it's called. Uh-huh. He says that relationships yeah. If you have strong relationships. Isn't it like also that thing in the New York Times this week that's like about um the seven steps to happiness? Exactly. Seven days of happy right. life or something like that. And the first day was about was about relationships. Social networking your exactly. There was a quiz yeah. in the New York Times. Yeah, and I think actually they, they quoted Robert Baldinger in that uh-huh. in that thing. But yeah, the New York Times is doing like seven day happiness challenge for the first Mm. week of 2023. But the very first day of that challenge was about your social network was about Mm. your relationships. And I was really, it really made me think that Colin Ty was saying that the whole time Yeah, that we need to live in a society with many more friendships and connections to other people. And I mean, you've just had, you've had like an incredibly social. Yeah, I have. (laughs) 
<laughs> being home. Yeah. It's... I've been seeing a lot of people and hanging out with my friends. Seeing people I haven't seen in a couple years. It's fun. But it's also a sort of scramble to... To fit everybody to in. To fit everybody in before the doom. Yes. Which is that tomorrow I'm getting my wisdom teeth out. Oh, yes. <laughs> the which wisdom teeth. That is upsetting. And, and you're going to look like a chipmunk. And I'm going to look like a chipmunk. And you're going to probably be in some pain. And I'm going to probably be in pain. And I'm going to have holes in my mouth. Yikes. But we power through. Yes, we do. And, and the and words of Kolontai will will be following me into the <laughs> operating room. I'll be I'll be musing on on her on her words as I fade into the blackness of anesthesia. <laughs> Which words exactly will those be? I don't know. Some of I'll them. Figure them you out. figure them out, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, so I think that you know it's really occurred to me this year because of everything that's going on in the world that we need to. We need to really think about what you said, community care mm-hmm. as political work. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a great piece in The Cut, New York Magazine's The mm-hmm. Cut, and it was about 10 years after the word sort of adulting was coined. There was a mm-hmm. book about adulting. And at the end of that article, they talked about the concept of neighboring. Mm-hmm. Like what we need now is rather than learning how to adult. We need to learn how to neighbor. We need to learn how to neighbor. Yeah, community care, baby. Self-care. That's what I'm talking about. Out. Self-care is out. Yeah. Self-community care is in. Make self-care a social activity. Yeah. I think that's because a, we all need it. We really do. We, after two. And just because you're spending all your time around people and that like, like at, at the workplace, it can be easy to like want to go home and be alone at the end of the day or over the weekend to sort of de- decompress. But seeing friends is a different kind of yeah. Like sort of spending time with social, having right. social time that is not enforced, like economic, like social time at work. Right. Is, they're different things. And they're just both as, they're both as um, necessary. Absolutely. And I mean, I know for you, because you're an extrovert. Yes. It just fills you up with energy. Yes. You just get energized the more time I you do. spend with people. It's yeah. amazing. I'm the opposite. Like the other night, when you and, and me and your cousin were all doing Lego together mm-hmm. and we weren't really talking, we were just kind of Legoing. Yes. I found that really nice. Yes. We were like parallel play. Parallel play. Exactly. <laughs> For an introvert. Like toddlers. Like toddlers. But it was nice yeah. to just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. And so even introverts can benefit greatly introverts can benefit greatly yeah just by being around people just by being around people we fill ourselves up animals yeah even when we're exhausted by social interaction exactly exactly so on that note we're hopefully you're drinking a curiel if you're not drinking curiel you should be sorry yeah (laughs) and uh and and go find somebody to talk to and make a curiel and and drink it with them and chat with them and chat with them maybe even listen to this podcast maybe even listen to this podcast yeah tell them i just heard the most amazing podcast episode (laughs) with this mother and her daughter and they seem to love each other so much because we do because we do (laughs) and i appreciate you fictional person that i'm talking to hypothetical person yes hypothetical person that i'm hypothetically talking to as the hypothetical discerner of this hypothetical no this very real podcast yes (laughs) All right. right. It's not a hypothetical podcast. It's not a hypothetical no. podcast. All right. Well, so do you want to 
do the sign off. This is the, the fourth year anniversary of AK-47. Thank you for listening and keep up the good fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was know. just killing time on you. <laughs> I liked the owl. <laughs>